0: Yo, what's good, people? You're locked into another episode of Over The Bridge Podcast. Um, today we are joined by myself, who We have also Patrick on the left-hand side. Yeah, yeah, nice. good, P Money. What's good, uh Tom's in the building as well. What's going on, Tom? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Um, kind of three-quarters of the squad today. But I was still out here doing travels and, you know what I mean, Ooh, gallivanting nice. around the world for work and what right, have you. Um, but yeah, I think he's going he's gonna to be kind of goes for the next... Few weeks, isn't he? I'm not sure when he's next about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He better be back for the, the live, live show, trip. isn't it? Yeah, I'll <laughs> 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 be a bit awkward if man's not about for that. But um, yeah, today we are covering a really interesting issue. We'll talk. We're we'll thinking actually prior to I remember there's a time when we were planning. We had that little brunch in um the barbecue and we were talking about different things that you want to cover. And one thing that came up quite a lot was um entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And having more and more entrepreneurs within the black British space yeah. and them talking about their journeys and their stories. Mm. So in that vein, I have a spe- very special guest today, um, who I'll let introduce herself very shortly. But just to give a bit of context, um, she is the founder of a company named Jamie, which we're going to be talking a little bit uh, talking a little bit <laughs> about more um, in a second. But Carla, it would be really nice if you could just kind of really, I guess, briefly introduce yourself and give a bit of background about who you are.
1: Um, so hi, guys. Uh, thank you for inviting me onto the show. So like you said, um, I'm Kalia. I'm the founder of Jammy, which is um, a discount card for black British businesses. Um, and I started it in August 2016. Um, kind of because the summer before, like Black Lives Matter had obviously exploded onto the public consciousness everyone was um kind of really active yeah um and everyone was kind of saying you know we need to do more we need to support black uh, black owned businesses etc um and i was one of those people i was like yeah super important um but i was also kind of a little bit like "Mm, we've seen these placards and stuff over and over again like we have so many you know you go to like museums and you go to exhibitions and stuff and you see like black people support um kind of like taking to the streets and protesting the same issues Mm -hmm. um over and over again like there needs to be more than just people saying less support black owned businesses Mm -hmm. when when that time comes like there needs to be it needs to be something more to it um so that was kind of why i started thinking more deeply about okay if we can't rely on we we shouldn't just rely on things like um, black kids being killed in the streets and and that making the headlines to get us riled up and really thinking about why we should do this. Mm -hmm. Um, There needs to be something that's a little bit more sustainable and a little bit more fair to us because we can't just be relying on our anger to kind of like drive change. Um, And so that was kind of why I started thinking about like towards the end of like summer 2015, like what can I do? Um to kind of encourage people to be thinking about supporting our businesses on a more ongoing basis. Um I've just realized you asked me to explain myself and not why I got started, but I think that's like probably perfectly. Um but yeah, that's kind of like that's how I was thinking in terms of like who I am outside of outside of Jamie. Um so I studied politics philosophy and economics at Manchester. Um, and I've always been interested in in social change. Yeah. I used to want to be a prime minister. Then oh, I studied wow. politics. And Did I was like, wow, no, I don't <laughs> want to do that. i was <laughs> like, I do not want to do that <laughs> at all. Um, which is kind of why I was like, that I suppose that's why I kind of thought to start something like Jammy. Because I've always been interested in like, okay, how can we create... This, the world that we live in is not one that I... That we can make it better Like it's not it's not perfect How can I help with that And so mm. When I was at uni I kind of started thinking About social entrepreneurship And how mm. we can use business To drive social change
2: As Lil Kim so. said First you get the money Then you get the power Then People will respect you <laughs> money, money power Respect it, so. No that's really yeah.
0: interesting man That's, that's um, And It's interesting what you said about You initially Wanting to kind of like Make social change through politics and then becoming, I guess, disillusioned. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, definitely. What was it about politics that made you feel like "Mm, this probably ain't the route for me to take?
1: It was just like the more I studied it, the more I realized that some of the biggest things that have happened in terms of like legislative changes and social initiatives have literally been luck. Mm. It's been luck, like, or it's been like because particular events have happened, not because like the individuals in power. Were particularly skilled, or something like. And that that is a bit of a generalization, but like just an example. Like if we look at like the civil rights era in America, mm. if JFK hadn't been killed, it's so unlikely that that stuff would have been actually ushered through by mm. by Johnson. And it was just like the more the more I realised that, and I kind of looked into like some of the um, biggest points of change throughout history, not just in terms of like race relations, just in anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more I realised that, well, I I can't control these things um and it's not in my nature to just kind of like roll the dice and hope that i kind of become mp at the right time and mm. do you right. know what i mean yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's not who i am yeah. um no disrespect to the people who, you know who are mps but that's just not me mm-hmm. um i wanted to do something where i was like i know that i can impact change and i can have more control over it that mm. was kind of why i was more drawn to like business and entrepreneurship
0: yeah mm. there's always a conversation around well you trying to impact change within a system that's somewhat corrupted or just doesn't really work in your favor in its current setting and then becoming a kind of cog in that machine in which you essentially adapt to it and kind of forget your initial mission or, mm. or how to mm. actually navigate that space. Um So yeah, it's, it's really cool that you saw entrepreneurship as a way in which you can... Have more or take back control, essentially, or Mm. to create your own environment in Mm. which you can um, impact change in a way that
3: um, best suits you. Yeah, just to add to that, because it's like this thing of um, whenever we talk about um, like black liberation or like black empowerment, um, there's that kind of dichotomy between like trying to change things from the inside and you know trying to be sort of revolutionary with it. Mm. Um, So for you, was it like was that part of it as well? It's like you kind of if you were to affect change from within politics, your hands are very much tied. Like you kind of, you know, you're not fully in control. Yeah. And it's, and I I think that's why for a lot of us, entrepreneurship is so appealing because it's like, it operates outside of the sort of, the parameters of, you know, what the status quo is. But I don't Mm. know, is that, was that kind of your mindset? Yeah, I mean,
1: pretty much. I mean, like just from like studying you know how for instance certain people became prime ministers or or government ministers and stuff and it's very much a case of like who you know and who likes you yeah not kind of you know and and whether or not the particular politics that you're preaching is palatable to like the media and like social consciousness and stuff at the time and that's just not how i am you know Mm that um that kind of that you know you have to be like Really strategic, and who you start talking to from like the moment you step foot in the House of Commons and all this kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, and Yeah, that's isn't just that, not isn't how I'm that wired. the same thing? Even even with like entrepreneurship, isn't that almost like the, this? Uh, there's something similar in the sense that like if you want to get funding, you have to kind of know people to get funding and stuff like that, and people have to like you and like your business model and stuff like that. Especially yeah, if you want to expand the business in a in a an inorganic way, i.e. you want to get external funding and accelerate the process of growing a business. Mm. Is there not a, a, something like, like a similar problem there?
1: Definitely. Like the, when it comes to like VC funding, especially or like there's definitely a problem in terms of like black founders especially have an issue of access. Um, mm. We just don't really know them. I mean, like uh, in the last year or so, a few more VCs are starting to pop up with this particular focus on uh, what they call like underrepresented founders. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But generally like, and it's not just like who you know, it's also just like how you speak to them. There's yeah. like a there's a language yeah. Um, yeah. when it comes to VCs, which we're just, we just don't know because we're not around those people like yeah. generally. Um, I mean, I've been doing Jammy for like two and a half years and it's only in like the last three months where I've really started to understand how these things work yeah. but it's literally because cool. like I didn't know anyone when I started Yeah.
3: Um. no one knew me yeah So. okay so um, when you started Jemmy you said like you know obviously it was sort of new territory for you did you have like an idea of like funding and stuff like that or like did you have a strategy or is it just like this is something that I really want to do I'm really passionate about and I'll kind of just like learn as I go And then along the way, you found out, like, how, you know, like, like, has Jammy had, like, VC funding and stuff like that? Or is it just... No. Okay.
1: So, (laughs) to be honest, like, everything I've done with Jamie up until, like, probably December has literally just been me, like blindly trying to figure random stuff out like I, I didn't have a strategy in place mm. I did I kind of just thought oh, I'll launch it and obviously it'll just blow up
3: like
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great idea like obviously that obviously did not happen because that's just not how business works but like mm. um I kind of was just kind of doing it not really thinking I, I always had like a, a long-term view of where I wanted it to be and where I thought it could be but um in terms of closer term like I was just never at that level where I was mm. thinking about it like that so I never Thought about okay where can I get funding Like yeah. should I get funding What type of funding
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, Because like questions like that um, Because I think at the moment like VC funds Is like the hot topic That's what everyone's talking about yeah, But actually yeah. there's like so many different types of finance That entrepreneurs can access Um And it was o- it's only now that I'm actually having these conversations With people where I'm like mm. Is a VC fund even the right type of money for me yeah, And yeah. For, mm-hmm. for the business mm-hmm. and what I'm trying to do Because I guess
3: normally with VCs You're talking about you know like very large quantities of capital it's not like Mm. you know and that is probably the right thing for companies that need to scale up massively and you know like have you know all these you know hundreds of employees and stuff like that but it seems to me that jammy is something that's quite sort of self-sustainable at the moment so like what what is it is it is it just yourself at the moment or is it because i think i saw your sister also yeah as well
1: yeah so it's like so it's mainly me, but my sister and also my boyfriend have helped out an awful lot in terms of like, like things. Like so my sister's um, she's like a content creator.
3: Cool.
1: Um, and so she like writes all of a lot of our blogs and yeah. she writes like mm. our newsletter and stuff. My boyfriend mm. helps out loads on strategy. Um, but in terms of like the the bulk of like uh, implementation execution of yeah. stuff is, is me. Yeah.
0: Um
1: but like it's, it's <clears throat> in terms of Uh, it being self-sustaining like it is like as it is yeah but in terms of like taking it to the next level yeah yeah that's where i'm at at the moment where i'm like okay so if i want to go in this direction like should i be raising funding and if so from who Mm -hmm. or should i actually be looking for like alternative forms of finance yeah um
3: so what other kinds of finance are available to 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 like founders apart from vcs obviously like
1: um so you've got the obvious one, which is uh, like bootstrapping, which is basically where you reinvest all of the money yep. that you make back in. Yeah. Um. There are bank loans. Um. There are. Um. There's this new company that's coming out. I don't. I don't know if I can um, name them yet. They haven't launched, but it's basically it's a new form of alternative finance, which is, um, for. Um, entrepreneurs and kind of small business owners who are, um, they don't quite have the credit terms for banks. And so they're doing loans of like up to 20 K, um, that can encourage people to, to reinvest. Um, there are angel investors, which is like, um, a single individual with amount of capital that, that they can, um, invest into your company.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any like government assisted schemes as well?
1: Yeah, so there's startup loans. There's also, there's a series of grants like um, things like the Prince's Trust. Um, You can do equity free funding. So there are a lot of competitions out there um, where you can apply um, and win, you know, either cash or you can win Things like you know twenty thousand pounds worth of expertise. Yeah, yeah. Like there yeah, are loads yeah. of different things out there. Finding yeah. them is, is you know a different thing, but um, there are opportunities for you to raise very, uh, raise cash for your business that cool. don't necessarily require you to go to a VC fund. And
3: yeah. um, do, do they still have Dragons Den? Like, have you ever like considered going on that and like pitching your? <laughs> have you pitched like? No. To... Okay, so you have never done a pitch before. No, no, no. Okay.
1: I've never done a pitch before. I don't think I'd go on Dragons Den. Um, it's pitch? probably
0: not the the right... I don't know. I don't know if the, the dragons will be invested in this type yeah. of concept. Hey, wait, what do you mean you've never done
2: I a d- pitch? You must have done a pitch to some... Someone, not necessarily like the dance. dragon's next yeah, yeah, time. Not, but like, a, like a, a
1: formal pitch, not like yeah. I've never like I haven't entered a competition for jammy, like okay. where that just required me to like go up in front of judges mm. and stuff yeah, like that. Like
3: I've, but I've, even like an informal like an, like they call it, like an elevator pitch, so like elevator just pitch, someone you, you know, bump this into. Like or, yeah, this how much
1: I? I mean, I mean you know. it's informally, yeah, I probably have, yeah, but not in a way that I've <laughs> identified someone and been like, okay, you are. Like an investor, yeah. Let me speak to you and sell my idea to you, yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Like yeah. any so, pitches. So, so how
3: did you how did you pitch it then to your sister and to your boyfriend? Because I'm guessing you kind of had to like As kind you, of convince okay, them, yeah. or so, yeah, they had to have a buy or they were just sure. sold already. They was like, we wanna we wanna be part of this.
1: They kind of were actually. They were like I, obviously I explained what I wanted to do. Like my boyfriend was. He helped me formulate the actual idea of okay. it. it was a discount card. So he kind of had to be bought in from the beginning because he helped me with it. But yeah, like yeah. my sister was just like, I said to her, this is like, I want to set up a discount card for Black-owned businesses. And she was like, okay, anything you need, you just let me know. Oh, let's, and let's, then like,
3: yeah. <laughs> <a> large <larger> up <laughs> sister, man. What's just sister support into the support? Courtney. Courtney, large up Courtney, man. I wanted to ask...
2: How difficult has it been to approach the businesses that you've approached and tell them it's the idea of there's a discount? Because surely, you know, as much as it's a good idea, if the businesses that you're working with are not big volume businesses, then it sounds to me mathematically anyway, that essentially you're eating at their margins. Mm. So how do you actually get them to buy into the idea when typically low volume businesses do not like to chase volume for volume sake at the yeah. expense of mm-hmm. losing margin, which is something I hear from a lot of companies. Yeah. We won't yeah. chase volumes, we won't chase revenue for revenue sake because it eats away our profit. And actually, you if you give like incentives and stuff like that, you have a um, like a mixed problem,
3: mm-hmm. which
2: affects their bottom line. So, how, how did you actually get these businesses to to buy in, um, and have you actually got pushback from businesses? Where you've had to change perhaps the margins that or well, the discounts that are being offered.
0: Can I can I tie in to that question? because it's, it's quite lengthy, but just like just to give a bit more context as far as like why the discount model appeal to you and what you are hoping to achieve with that, and then I guess that might lead on to yeah to approach um, partners.
1: So the reason why I wanted to do it like a discount card was because um, when. I was looking for black owned businesses to support just personally. Um, because I don't live in an area which I'm which has got a lot of black owned businesses. So mm-hmm. like I was actually having to hunt, like I was on the internet and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like there were loads of like directories and stuff which were just outdated. Mm. Um, and so I was just a little bit like, clearly there's something wrong with like just a directory. And also like if I was to do something about this. Um, I don't want to just create another directory because it seems like what's happening is people are just going on it one time and then they're going off and then, you know, that's it. The next time they remember to support a black owned business, they might come back. Mm-hmm. So I wanted something um, that kind of encouraged people to keep kind of going back and going back. And like me and my, my boyfriend, we had a taste card, which is like oh, yeah. where you get 50% yeah, yeah. off restaurants. <laughs> and so he was like, well, why don't you do it like that? Like, because then, because like we know from experience that um you know, we every time we want to go out to eat, we were looking on that app yeah, yeah.
3: Um,
1: to find places um, because it's, just, it's a discount. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know, it's self-interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, for, for the discount card model, I was thinking that could be something that's more sustainable because, like, you know, you get discounts at these places. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've bought a card, you're probably inclined to want to shop at these places as well. So, it's mm. just a way to get people to keep coming back throughout the year, keep mm. looking, keep trying new um, companies. In terms of um, pushback, I definitely have got pushback from certain types of from certain types of businesses like mainly like food businesses where the margins are different. Yeah. yeah. Um which is fair enough because it's like obviously I'm asking for for a discount um for, for them to kind of give discounts. But actually by and large most people have been very receptive to the idea. And I think for I think the reason is twofold like for the first of all a lot of people don't see it as um like a discount they see it as like it's cost of goods for them like
3: yeah.
1: okay. you know this is because Jammy is kind of like a marketing channel for them yeah, so yeah. it's like mm. you know the same they would kind of give codes to an influencer or something else like that yeah. Um, but also like I think more importantly people actually buy into the vision of yeah. what I'm trying to do with Jammy so yeah. they want to they're very proud to be part of Jammy mm. and to be part of a collective of businesses who are kind of amplifying each other and supporting each other and it's kind of I think for them that is more important than you know than anything
3: else So, mm-hmm. yeah. so you're keeping with That idea of seeing The bigger picture And like the vision I mean I'm sure A lot of our listeners Will understand Like the importance of um, Of supporting black business And sort of Why we We see The importance of Empowerment through business But I, I guess There's a lot of our listeners That may not really understand Like the, the gravity of it Like the importance of it And you know Why For us especially As black Brits Um where, you know, throughout, you know, our history in this country, we have been in a position of being disenfranchised. So in your best words, why do you think it is important to support black business? And basically, what what is the larger vision? Like, what is the sort of the end game of jammy
1: So the end game of jammy mm. is to basically, the where the where I would love to be is yeah. that it doesn't matter where you are in the UK. Yeah you can find a black owned business near you because mm-hmm. they already exist and we yeah, know yeah, they exist but you can find one and you can you mm-hmm. can um you know where they are and you can go and you can go and support them yeah. um ultimately what one of the reasons why I wanted to start it was because I wanted to see black british brands on Oxford circus yeah. you know in the high like not just in the high street but like mm. in the well known places you know stocked in selfridges and yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like like really given the respect that they deserve mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and in terms of like why it's important like it's no secret that black culture is one of the most you know it's exploited day in day out by everyone but ourselves like we're the only ones who aren't really making money off of it um like caribbean restaurants like uh like grime culture like everything mm, mm. um and so i think it's just important that we are able to take that to, to kind of take ownership of that yeah. um because when it's sold by businesses Who really understand it yeah. It's protected yeah, yeah. They're mm-hmm. taking care of it They're yeah. nourishing it yeah. um, And it's it's A much truer representation Of, of, of us yeah, yeah, Than yeah. It's far more authentic Right from exactly. the source right? yeah. yeah, And I'd
4: say there's <clears throat> Sorry, I'll say there's a trickle down effect. Yes, Marty. As well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Here he is.
4: <laughs> there's a trickle-down effect as well, right? Yeah. So those businesses then go on to employ people. Yeah. Those yeah. businesses then go on to open other businesses in the area. Yeah. It, yeah. it uplifts the community in a way that yeah. isn't done so through other means, right? Mm-hmm, if you give mm-hmm. people Money as individuals, I think mm. we have like a concentration problem. In the sense that you were talking about the riots and how people get together, we mm. have action, and then people dissipate again. Mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. same way, how money gets together, people get together. Mm. We have action, and we dissipate again. And Jamie's kind of trying to be that concentration, that point of concentration sure. where it's not a reactionary thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. something's happened. We need to concentrate on how we're going to do better for ourselves, right? Okay. And then we forget about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it. it, it with that, you're going around building. You're addressing at from from. You're addressing the core issues yeah. in a lot of these things yeah. where it's not really it's not really addressed. Normally, we we usually pick at the top rather than the actual core right. issues.
3: So it's about laying down roots. It's like about laying yeah. down the foundation so that once sort of like all the kind of activity and the further and everything dissipates a bit, at least There's those something roots are still to... there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hear you, man.
0: I feel like this movement <clears throat> kind of like the black. Um, Supporting black business movement is something that's been quite prominent in America for a while now. Mm. And it's something that's only, I wouldn't say just recently because I guess generations before has probably had something similar. Mm. Um, but it's now kind of having more of an amplified voice, I feel, last few years. Um, but one of the major criticisms that comes with the movement I hear a lot, and obviously this is not necessarily representation of my personal views, but um, the idea that, why well, should I support a black business just because they're black? And, um, if they're not producing, for instance, the same quality as what I'm used to from a white-owned business or any other kind of mainstream business. um, What is your view on that kind of, like, criticism? And do you feel like there is a certain amount of allowance that should be given to um, black-owned businesses as far as if they don't meet a certain standard that you're used to um, from more established, potentially, businesses or... um, Is it kind of like put your money where you're getting the best Mm. quality product at the best price?
1: I mean, like, first of all, I think black people tend to judge black businesses in a completely different way Mm -hmm. than they judge other businesses. Mm -hmm. Because I've been to black shops. I've been to shops run by people from other ethnicities and I've had bad experiences everywhere. Mm -hmm. But there seems to be a thing sometimes that people, when they have bad experiences at, at black shops, they're like, oh, it's because they're black. So it's not because they're black. Like there's just something sometimes within the community where we just feel like that's the reason. Mm. Um, so I think one of the first things that we can do is to stop making that generalization because it's not helpful. It's extremely harmful. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the idea that you should um, give money to a business that you know to be bad um, just because they're black But it's again it's like Well when you say bad Like what are you talking about Like mm. is it because They were rude to you Is it because this, The product itself was bad Because like I said Like I've been to places mm. Where the customer service Has been subpar But to be honest Like the product is fine So I'll just keep going back And get that bad Customer service anyway mm. um, Because like, that's what I'm paying for um, But generally like What my opinion on Is that like we should be supporting businesses to be better. Mm. So sometimes that support comes from going back to the business owner and being like, "What I paid, like, I wasn't appreciative of of what you did and stuff." Yeah, and helping yeah. them from that perspective. Yeah. If they don't want to change, or if they they are they kind of like come back to you and they don't appreciate uh, the feedback that you gave, then you've kind of done as much as you can do. You, mm. Like, no one's forcing you to go back every time. Like, even though you're getting something that's subpar, yeah. but support comes in. Um, multiple different ways Mm, but yeah yeah. but to be honest like this whole thing about like black businesses being like subpar generally like it really gets to me because it's just not true Mm. um yeah
4: and i guess what what you're doing is trying to convince people to overcome the stigma not necessarily you're not you're not expecting people to come and take subpar service you're expecting people to come and maybe give these businesses a chance because you haven't necessarily been there before Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're the same but i find that like you say when we're dealing with uh, our own companies, from our own communities. We are a bit harsher in our judgment on it. Yeah, mm. sure. Like if I if, if, if I were to go to the shop down my road and I were to order something, maybe the fish shop and get some fish and it was bad, I probably just won't go back. Mm. Whereas if I go to Tesco, you know I'm going back and I'm returning it and I'm making a complaint. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not going to judge Tesco. I'm still going to go back to Tesco. But no, like true. on business, I'm cutting. And I'm no,
3: just, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a complicated discussion because um I feel like as consumers... The one thing that we're most concerned about is value for money, right? It doesn't matter, you know, um, if it's a big company or a small company or whatever, like if we pay for something and we don't feel like we have gotten our value for money, we're not going to be happy. And I think when it comes to any kind of small business, any kind of challenger, um, like a disruptor, any kind of challenger brand or anything like that, because this is something that I, I do quite a bit for work, um. You, when you're going up against the, the, the big boys, you know, like the the big corps, they have resources for days. Like yeah. um, they can, you know, like if, if they do mess up, if you do get a bit of bad fish, you know, they can probably just give you, you know, some more free, like good fish. Or yeah. do you know what I mean? They, they have resources for days. But equally, um, their supply chain means that you're going to get mistakes and things like that. So it's like it's this kind of thing of like the big corps always... They're almost like a little bit like invincible when it comes to customer service. Yeah, but, I remember but
2: but, hearing about this actually. And um, like something you mentioned Tesco, right? And they were they were talking about like their ability because of how huge they are as a retailer. Mm. Their ability to push back to their suppliers and get the pricing that they want and the quantities that they yeah. want is completely unbelievable. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah what I mean, yeah. So often when mistakes are made, they can easily say, "Don't blame us, blame our blame our supplier." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, whereas I, I feel with a smaller business mm. and black owned businesses mm. in particular one that argument doesn't necessarily hold because by definition it's, it's well, in most cases it's there are obviously some large businesses like Vitae London is obviously a relatively huge business you know mm. what I mean mm. but for a lot of businesses you don't they don't have that leg to stand on so where you said you go back to Tesco is like because you know they've got a big supply chain it wasn't necessarily
3: their fault that you got a bad piece of Do you business. think the average
4: mm. consumer thinks that though?
3: No, I think the average consumer is like, I want my money back. Yeah, Tesco mm-hmm. can do that, and, that is, that's and still, but that's
4: maybe okay. It's true. It's in a true. way, Wait. you're giving Tesco a chance by doing that, right? You're mm-hmm. you're closing their feedback loop mm-hmm. for them. Right? But
3: so this is mm-hmm. this is the thing that I'm coming to. So, um, because these big corps are able to have these supply chains that I mean they're super efficient. Um, they can make things in large quantities. They're able to do things like offer like mad discounts or. Um, they're able to deliver to your home. Like once a company is big enough, like this is why we see like co- companies like Amazon, like they will just expand into loads of different areas. Why? Because they have the means to do it. Like yeah. mm-hmm. Amazon started off as a as a bookstore, online bookstore, but now like they're doing everything. And it's yeah. because of the money, the capital um, and just, yeah, the means that they have, the resources that they have at their disposal. But the one thing that I've realized um, where big companies will have a blind spot is misunderstanding their consumer, not understanding what their consumer wants. So what I was going to say is, is like, it will always be very difficult as a challenger brand to go up against these big companies. But the one thing you can do is like be sort of like on the ground. Like I, you know who your consumer is because mm-hmm, you yeah, see them face to face. That's one thing that these big companies struggle with. Like what I do is basically like, we we basically advise these big courts on how to basically know their consumer better. And you go to any of these big conferences, the first thing they'll tell you is we don't understand our consumer. Mm-hmm. So, for challenger brands, like the thing that gets them in the front door, at least gets them some market share, <laughs> is understanding the pain points of their consumer. So, yeah, you may have like, you may make mistakes or, you know, your customer service might not be amazing all the time or blah, blah, blah. But if you can find out what it is about understanding your consumer, what your consumer wants first, um, and then basically finding out what that pain point is or what that thing thereafter is, suddenly the things that, you know, like making mistakes and, you know, not the best customer service might not be as much of an issue because mm. you're serving them something that they can't get elsewhere.
0: Yeah, um, that's, and, one and, of, oh, um, <laughs> that's one of the beauties of... That's one of the beauties of, I guess, black-owned businesses is that a lot of the reason a lot of them came about in the first place was due to a lack of... Um, them being catered to by mainstream businesses so you think about a lot of the um kind of beauty and cosmetic products and mm. makeup and all that kind of thing where yeah they weren't being catered to as far as like the shades weren't matching and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can't have products that you can use for your hair and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. the the people that start ended up starting those businesses they are essentially their consumer so mm. they know exactly what you're after what you're as how as you put a pain points are mm. and in that sense you can speak the language of the consumer a lot better than a kind of faceless corporate mm. like you know mm. any other beauty cosmetic mm. mainstream product um, is so that is I think a competitive advantage mm. that we need to
3: yeah like I think my overall my overarching point was your like your, your customers are never going to be 100% happy um mm. But you need to find out like what is the thing that leverages them. Um, because sometimes you will drop the ball. Mm-hmm. But if you can get them to be loyal enough, those mistakes that you make, I'm not saying like, you know, just be complacent and make mistakes all the time and blah, 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 blah and not work on customer service. Yeah. But the reason people will go back to Tesco is because they serve a need. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. even if they mess up, Tesco is convenient. But Why? Because it's, so yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. it's everywhere yeah, or
3: yeah. because it's cheap or because so I think like as black businesses, because I come from a family of black business owners as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's kind of easy to kind of, I don't know, sometimes get in our feelings and be like, oh, you know, like why don't we support each other? And the fact of the matter is, is that we're fighting an uneven battle. Like it's an uphill battle from when you start. Because first of all, you're a small business. Second of all, you're a black small business. So you, you, you're already on like, you know, you your your handicap is like, you know.
0: Yeah.
3: um So you've got to understand that you're, like people aren't always Going to be happy But if you can find That one thing That can make them Keep coming back Then people will forget About the Well not forget But at least You know like It's not as bad yeah, you know, Is right. what I mean yeah. I'm
1: sorry I was going to say And I think Like to add to that mm. uh, About being um, About kind of Hitting that pain point I think building relationships with customers is so important Mm. because like when you mess up they will forgive you because they know you Mm. and because you know them and Mm. because um and this and it doesn't necessarily (coughs) have to be face-to-face relationships it can be you know in the world where e-commerce is like uh, it's very easy to get started Mm. like there can be uh digital relationships as well but Mm -hmm. like that is what makes a brand like and i think when it comes to like challenges like for if we uh, kind of like thinking about Tesco and stuff, like, no one cares about Tesco. Like, if your Tesco shut down tomorrow and it was a Sainsbury's, it became a Sainsbury's, like, you mm. wouldn't really be that fuss. Like, mm that's kind of where smaller brands can have the advantage because you can actually build close relationships with yep. your customers yeah. and yeah. they will follow you. Yeah. yeah like yeah, yeah. we've seen it multiple times. Mm. Um where people like brands are doing the most outrageous like Rihanna and Fenty makeup, for mm. instance, mm. like she launched in Harvey Nicks mm. and I'm like I was like I really want the makeup but I'm not gonna go and wait in them queue so I went six weeks after it launched and I still had to wait an hour outside yeah
3: yeah yeah
1: and you know it's because of the brand yeah and yeah. I did it yeah yeah <laughs> in, in cold October mm. but it's because the, the brand and the, I don't know Rihanna I wouldn't say she knows me either mm. but like you know I felt so strongly about the brand and about yeah. what yeah. she was doing mm. yeah um,
3: yeah it's, it's powerful because it's like because Fenty Beauty is not really it's not owned by Rihanna Rihanna's face and I think it's who is it so that owns Fenty? Um, huh? It's LVMH, Because yeah, right. I know I know they're gonna own her um, her clothing brand as well. Um, but that, I mean, that's like a master trick by LVMH because they've basically done like they've just like made a challenger brand <laughs> their own. But mm. yeah. but it's, as big it's, businesses do th- exactly, yeah. I mean, eventually, and and that's what happens. Like you can't be beat, beat them, so you join them. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's it, what you said is is so key. It's like she service she services or her brand services a need. Or you identify her so much That you wait, you know Months after it comes out And still go and queue for an hour and a half or whatever Because there's something that ties you to that brand And I think when it comes to black businesses That's what we we need to just be like Okay, being black is not just enough Like mm. we need to have a USP Or we need to have a reason why our customers really value us And yeah. will go to us over something so, else
2: Good, I think all good, all good businesses yep. All good businesses are um, There's a principle of stickiness <laughs> and by stickiness, what I mean is um, there is something that keeps the majority of customers stuck to the product. Um, these And these, as Patrick said earlier, it's about the value that the product offers or the service offers. Mm-hmm. And it's quite hard for a business actually to be sticky. Like if you look at, especially like small businesses... Um, I read a stat somewhere that's saying it's very hard for a small business to last beyond three years. Mm. Because actually, even though you start up and you get your funding, it's very difficult for that business to actually find, um, one, to actually find the pain points Mm. and then address those pain points is actually very difficult. Mm. Um, An example of, a classic example of stickiness is um, the shaving blade. The idea of the stick Mm. and the, no, Would you touch a stick on the blade? No, there's the, the, the blade. You mean like the traditional wet yeah, shaver? Yeah, the, the traditional wet shaver. Wet shaver. Yeah. It's like two two parts. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That is like one of the stickiest models, which is why Gillette has done well for so long, for however long. Obviously, you've got these challenger brands like Wilkinson Sword and other such brands. Mm. But <laughs> Gillette coming up with this idea, mm. you know, all things, you know, that whole Gillette advert thing, but all things aside from that, it's like a very sticky model. Do you know what I mean? Because of the fact is that we all need to shave and this is a very convenient way of doing it, mm. you know, from Mac free to whatever you mm. get. It's mm. like a, and so this, this is the thing for businesses. So mm. the question obviously ask is, how does a business make itself um, sticky? Is it by mm. having a brand, which you know is going to be niche, but you have a good customer base and you mm. have a belief that you can grow that customer base? Mm. There are, you know, there are various ways of ensuring that the business is sticky. Mm, mm, Um, mm. But obviously in this world of E, in the world of like the internet, it's very difficult for a business to retain its stickiness as well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's a good point you made earlier about like the challenger brands and the smaller brands. Mm. They're nimble and they're agile enough that they don't have to necessarily put out reams and reams and reams of capital to actually
3: address problems and and business has changed now it's funny that you bring up Gillette because Gillette is a company that's been on my mind recently because work reasons um but Gillette actually is facing like um they they, I mean they got challenger brands of their own like sort of hot on their tail in it and and what that shows is yeah for you know like the best part of I don't know how long they've been around but like most of the 20th century they've been about um they, they have been a sticky brand Because what they have They put on the market Is something that's You know like They, they were the I, I'm assuming they were the first to do it Or whatever But their their product was something That, that customers liked And it was, it was needed But now they're facing Pressure from Challenger brands Which do things like Um I mean, there's lots of different uh, concerns that consumers have. One of them being sustainability and not using too much plastic and things like that, but also direct-to-brand to consumers as well. So yeah. you basically skip out the middleman retail and you market directly to your consumers. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you and because of the internet and because of social media and whatever else now, like all those adverts that you get on your Instagram feed, most of them are D2C brands, direct-to-consumer brands, which mm-hmm. means that you don't have to have the middleman retailer. Yeah. So this is like... My point is is that it's constantly evolving Like consumer habits and consumer needs Are constantly evolving And it's like what you set up in, you know, 2006 In 2016, you know, that might not be needed Or relevant or um, appealing anymore So I think it's just this thing of constantly Just sort of trying to, like, look for what it is That consumers want next I mean like What what can you do That sets you aside From other people To marry those two points mm. The constant evolution And the
4: stickiness mm. I think you often find Nowadays that It's not just uh, What you just mentioned But it's also The black economy itself mm. I think black spending power Has gone up a lot mm-hmm. And you find that yeah, yeah. Like uh, I don't want to say Sticky too many times But the stickiness <laughs> <laughs> Is By virtue of serving The black population Nowadays yeah, yeah. You find that stickiness So you mentioned Gillette mm. um, But you know about Christian Walkers, Bevel, bevel Blade, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. by launching his and, and servicing uh, solely black people. Well, not solely black people, but focusing on a black market mm-hmm. because I'm sure everyone here knows like the shaving bumps is a real problem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Solely by addressing that sold. And
3: I think he's um
4: he got bought by who recently?
1: E and G, and Gamble. Yeah, yeah. so nah.
3: like who earned Gillette, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, yeah. Matt. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? It's but this this Matt, is this is yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> um but like don't get it twisted. Like these big corps, like they have a lot of oh, power, but they know, they, right? but they they are running scared as well. They they're, they're frantic. Like you know
0: is, though? I think they don't have they don't necessarily have the know how or the resource to create these type of brands like a, a bevel where they have that in depth knowledge of the consumer and their pain points and yep. And they think okay, cool. I'll give these guys breathing <coughs> room because they could crush them if they really wanted to. Like just, do you know what I mean? But they just give them the breathing room to like grow. Mm. And then say, okay, cool, we can just acquire you. Yeah, just that's that's yeah, that's and you know, it's, it's cheaper to do it, right? Yeah, because rather than try and like, trying, like you think about it, so much R and D
3: spend. But 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 also like it's it's about expertise. Like if Procter Gamble now want to go and find out how black um, black consumers mm. interact with their products. That costs a whole leap of yeah, money. Brother, a, cup of black like, a whole heap of money. Yeah. That's the like so market research is not cheap. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. So, so if, you the have a, is, if you have a brand that knows that already, yeah. The, bro, cho- the,
2: cho- <laughs> the choice is like either you go down like the Capex and R D route, which is basically, hey, I'm whoever PNG or Unilever, whoever it is. And I'm trying to go into a certain area mm. and say, ah, okay, but that costs money, and there's no, you, you're not guaranteed that you're actually g- going to be able to develop a product. Mm. Mm-hmm. So instead, you say, actually, do you know what? I've got cash on the balance sheet.
4: That's it. There's
2: a company here. I'll offer them some nice multiple. I'll give them an offer. They can't refuse. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like they, this company started a business from the
3: ground, mm. and actually, because Tom, you, you, know, you like cars, in it. So like, v, v, do VW still own Lamborghini, or they? No, they own.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Own so
3: like. Like, imagine a company like VW, right? Yeah. They don't know how to do sexy Italian cars like Lamborghini. Lamborghini, that's that's their thing. That's their bread and butter. But mm-hmm. VW would be like, do you know what? We got the peas, we'll just just buy this brand yeah. and let them handle their consumers because they know what they, they know like how to service their consumers yeah. do you know what I mean
0: I have a question about that actually how mm. how do you feel about
3: that like because mm. okay, one
0: thing one, one term that's thrown around a lot is like sellout. like if, if you uh, a black owned business is doing well they have a mainly black consumer base and then all of a sudden this, you know the consumers find out that they've been bought by a, a large white owned for lack of better words company mm. there's always this term thrown about. Mm. So like if if the if the products that they're producing mm. and the service that they're producing is still the same, it's still the same quality, still do you feel the type of wave is no longer owned by a black person?
1: I mean, yeah, I do personally. Mm. Just because like mm. I mean because I don't feel negatively towards the entrepreneur, but part of me is like, I just wish that you kept it within the community. Mm. Like mm. when Shea Moisture got sold, I, I felt that now because I, I was like, mm. this is one of the biggest brands we have, like, mm. in her, is the global black community. I mm, mean, yeah. like, um, the guy who owned it then went on to create um, a fund for black um, female entrepreneurs. Okay. Like, he basically used the money to create like a hundred yeah. million dollar fund. So, yeah, yeah. you know, he's, do you know what I mean? So mm. it's like he, into like now looking at it, I'm like, you know what? He probably made the right decision Yeah, yeah. Is because it- what like he's, ta- he's kind of, he built something for himself and now he's taken that and he's creating opportunities for so many more people mm-hmm. and for the community.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, part of me is like, you know, we, and with the Tristan, uh, with the with Bevel, like mm. I was like, wow, because like you know, we got sold on the idea of like Walker and Co being like, uh, yeah, you know, Bevel kind of got me as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? Like, that, about that, about it, yeah, so. it hurt. It, uh, it, mm. did, but it is did. It did hurt. Is it, is it, was someone the goal of all companies? With some exceptions, like the kind of not-for-profits or the kind of mm. family-owned, co- f- I mean. E- but even listen, even family-owned businesses. Mm. Yeah, yeah, after a while. Mm. Yeah. Now, even listen. I look at I look at a company in Germany. Um, they are they are the, they are ultimately owned by a charity. Don't get it twisted. These guys still make huge amounts of money, but they just make sure the money is put back into universities and stuff. Mm. So my my ultimate problem is sometimes the idea of. With companies that exist, unless the purpose is to not be for a profit and understand that there'll be times you're not gonna make a profit, or the times where, you know, your 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 costs, GNA, SGA, everything else equals your revenue. So you don't make any that's different. But for is not the goal for companies just to make money and then whatever the owner chooses to do is that that's because that's that's an argument, mm. right? Because ultimately if and this is the thing, sometimes I think. Um p- if people don't get focused and if companies don't get focused on making money, and by making money, I don't just mean making a profit. I actually mean making sustainable cash flows as well. Because don't forget, cash cash is cash is a huge thing. Often I talk to businesses and I ask them, talk to me about your cash flow profile. They can't do it. And I'm like, what do you mean staff staff costs are a part of your working capital? Working capital doesn't include staff, stuff is in the PL, it's not in the cash flow. Mm. So this is the thing: like, if you're focused on on a business
3: mm.
2: And your goal is to make money mm. Surely you're going to be focused On those pain points As it relates to what you see On the P&L And cash flow statements And the balance sheet right And that's going to make you A better business If you're focused on making money Yeah
3: yeah But I like I hear that but also I, I see both sides of the argument Like um, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, no, of course of course, of course, of course, of course. It's it's a dirty game, man, and you got sometimes you got to play dirty. Like this guy um, that has now started this this. Um, it was, you said it was a hundred million dollar fund.
1: Yeah, like with Essence Mag.
3: So mad face value, right? He he sells he sells his business, and you're like rah. So he sold out, but he's managed to create an opportunity out of that, right? Mm-hmm. At the moment, like I don't think there are any like big corps that we know that are you know black owned or they have you know like Mm. do you know what i mean i I guess you can't really talk about courts about like being owned in that way but if we're talking about empowering ourselves from a business perspective black people from a business perspective you're gonna kind of have to fight dirty first and do these kind of things where it's like oh wow you're selling out in order to build up that capital so that one day you could have like um, a conglomerate, like a um, yeah. mm-hmm. fast-moving corporate so, so conglomerate, that is that is black-owned. Well, I
2: mean, I ask you a question: Dapper Group, for example, yeah, mm-hmm. like the whole entire uh, the conglomerate set, as it were. Right? Yeah. Um, you grow the conglomerate to a large size. Someone comes in and says, "I'd like you to sell a portion." Because I know nah, you not nah. sell. <laughs> no, but <laughs> someone says you sell a portion of the business. You remain a
0: a majority board, stakeholder
2: Apple, yeah, or something, yeah. and we account for the business at equity because we don't own all of it. So uh-huh. anyone who's a technical head, you know exactly what I mean by you. If you account for somebody, if you account for a company under equity, you don't fully own it, but you have significant interest, so you account for it in a slightly different way. It's not like you account for it as a minority or whatever. But anyway, someone says, we have a portion, a stake in the business. Mm-hmm. We account for it at equity, but we don't own it. And they give you a huge multiple for it. Mm way beyond the enterprise value of the business, are you going to say, nope, we want to maintain him, we want to grow, grow our business? Or are you thinking this is a nice cash injection? What do you do?
4: That's a sticky
2: Apart one. from talking to Yay! Raph as well, what do you do? <laughs> That's
0: what I was saying, because Raph, uh, my program might in a little bit And different. actually,
2: I, I opened the question up to you guys as well. Someone yeah. else comes to you and says, hey, we want to acquire a stake in the business. Not necessarily yeah. a full stake because you might not be inclined to see us, but we want to acquire a significant stake in the business. Mm-hmm. It gives you a nice capital injection. Um, you guys going to say no? It, if they at the right price, you guys going to say no? It, it
0: really depends, man. I think mm-hmm. for one, they, I feel like their values have to be aligned with mine. They need to understand what, because I guess both of our businesses are quite mission-driven. Mm. i guess it can both fall under the the title of social um social enterprises mm. so i feel like the investors they'd have to understand that mm. and um as have to give us autonomy as far as like how we decide to mm. kind of grow the company in mm. the direction that it takes mm. um i don't want to be kind of on my uh i don't know i'm've i' have principles right but like I don't want <laughs> I mean, to that's, that's a horrible way to start. <laughs> but but if it doesn't ultimately what I'm trying to say, if the um, selling a stake of the company doesn't conflict my principles and the mission of the company, then I'm open to the conversation. Essentially mm. is what I'm trying to I'm trying and to say. And if they were like,
3: mm. no, we kind of want to, you know, take this aspect of your company in a slightly different direction. direction, but it's here's 20 million.
0: Nah cuz the thing is like for instance we even within the kind of chocolate mm. world right Um, green and blacks yeah. um prior to them being bought by i forgot the name of the company that that acquired them but it was a it was a private owned company mm. and to this day the the founder is like upset in the direction that it's gone because he wishes that he hadn't sold and I think he got like a nice like 100 mil pair or something like that mm. but the value shot up ridiculously after that, but then also he the direction that he would have taken with the business would have been completely different, mm. and he's he's had kind of public appearances when he's spoken about being disappointed about it. Mm. Same same with like Ben and Jerry's and um, mm. selling to Unilever. Yeah, yeah. They they had a very kind of their the whole thing was kind of corporate res- uh, social responsibility. Yep. They're very vocal about political issues, mm. and that's kind of taken away once they sold to to Unilever. So. Mm. I don't want to have those kind of regrets later on down the line. Like, Um, but but you guys, what about you guys? Like, what's the,
1: yeah, Uh, to be honest, I I agree because I, I, I didn't set up Jammy to make money. I mean, it's a business and I want it to make money and I'm very ambitious and stuff, but someone couldn't just come to me with a 20 mil paycheck and be like, okay, I'm going to give you this. And then I have the right to do whatever I want Mm. with your company like that. That, that i just i can't see myself
3: mm. but what kind if of the green. i'm playing devil's advocate again um but what if it was like because I, I think it's slightly different for like if you approach with a lot of capital as a black business obviously you have you have your social responsibility in the back of your mind right mm-hmm. um but once you have that money it's like okay this is not just gonna lie in my pockets because it doesn't mean that suddenly your social responsibility just dissipates like there's mm-hmm. still stuff that you can Go forward with And do with that That injection of capital So like It's like a It's like a necessary evil Is what I mean
0: Yeah Yeah, you have to be strategic with it If you have If you have another Means by which you can Fulfill that objective Mm. With that Extra capital um, and it'll be just as impactful more so than the route mm. you're going to take with your initial business. Yeah. And then fair enough. The it's like flipping. is like, was, like cool, being say. a little flip, got my money, flipped into something else mm. that can have a bigger impact.
2: Yeah. I that's, was going to say, one, one, one of the problems, because it sounds like what you guys have is something that you want to hold on and potentially pass on to the next generation. Yeah. And that's, that's a wonderful idea. Mm. But I tell you of... I mean, I've seen, you know, I look at a lot of companies on a day-to-day basis. Mm. One of the things that I've seen, which is often very, very shocking, is someone starts a business, they have the vision, they execute their business in small size and do a very, very good job with it. Yeah. They have enough wealth to change their children's lives, give their children. That's the that's the goal, I think, of life in or in some small sense to give your your kids or the generation after you a better life. Mm-hmm. You give your kids a better life, but, you know, and you teach them the vision. They, from day one, have already, they, there's a buy-in already there. The business grows. They take, the kids take over the business. It works well. This often happens with businesses. Um, and again, the second generation of, uh, of uh, of you know, business owner says, hey, this is great. I'm going to continue. The problem is when you get to the third and fourth, somehow along the way, because people have done well themselves, mm. Right the third and fourth generation often lose the essence of what the business is about. They have done so well, the family have done so well that they forget to make sure that the third and fourth generation don't forget to still clean the toilets or do whatever, or if it's an engineering company, do some of their engineering stuff or whatever. Or even if you didn't study engineering, you, you know, you study economics or politics and you apply that to the business. Mm. I've seen it so many times. This is the thing that people don't think about businesses when they want to pass it on. Because mm. I like the idea of actually, do you know? No, we're going to grow this business organically. Mm. We're going to do the bootstrapping process. We're going to invest the revenues back in. Yeah. But I've seen this again and again and again. Mm. The families, at some point down the line, it's, it happens so often, which is very wow. disconcerting. Like eventually, you get, the business is passed on to the point where the family... Like you know Longer down the way They just lose the complete Sense of the vision And the business can be Potentially Trashed
3: Do you know what I mean But I wonder if When it comes to How we um, Conceptualize Like our businesses Like whether we're Too sentimental about it Because If it's like If you build up something It's profitable Makes lots of money And then someone buys you out This is what I see With tech companies All the time Um the owner or the founder or whatever will sell it on and then they'll move on to something else mm. and then make more, more money doing something else. Do you see what I mean? I, I, I wonder if we have, we place too much attachment on something that is essentially a, a capitalist, you know, exercise. Do you see what I mean?
2: I think, and that's, this is my thing. I think it's difficult. And, and Can I just and, finish I off why we're why why saying that? sorry, bro. That. I'm sorry.
3: No, no, it's fine. Because um, the reason why I say this is because once you sell your business or sell a portion of your business and you have a certain amount of money, you can then go and do with that money what you please. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm. That attachment to that capitalist exercise that you had—I serving this 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 need or um, selling this product or selling this service—I wonder if it's just a bit too like we're we're being too sentimental about it. Because if you, if we actually do want to, you know, improve our sort of status, like I'm talking about the black community here. Yeah, yeah, yeah is it not better to build up wealth that way and then invest it elsewhere? Like, instead of being like... So, mm. for example, um, who, remind me again, who was the, um, the the guy that sold his business and then he set up a, a, a fund? Um, the Bevel, oh, right. the Shea Moisture. Yeah, Shea Moisture. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shea Moisture. Yeah, Shea Moisture, yeah. Had he not sold his business, um, would he have been able to set up a $100 million fund for um, female entrepreneurs? Do you see know what I mean? It's like... Mm. It's a necessary evil. Like, if he was like, no, I want to hold on to my business, I want it to remain black-owned, then he'd just
1: yeah. still be there. But and the, there'll
3: be no $100 million fund.
1: But the thing I would say to that is that I don't think at this moment in time we have enough businesses that are of getting yeah. to that point. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. That's
1: true. So yeah. I, I don't yeah. think that the issue is sentimentality. Mm. I, I don't think that's one of our, our problems. It's more of the
4: longer-term vision, I guess. Mm. I'd say is to, to answer whatever the original question was, was mm. uh, how would you feel about the making money versus sell, uh, staying staying uh owner of a business long term mm, mm, mm. um it's a two-part thing right mm. like who at the end of the day it's your money it's your business if you want to sell it sell it if you want to keep it keep it mm. but i think generally speaking what you mentioned about the mission and why businesses buy into jammy card is like everyone kind of has or at least a lot of people from our, our community have a future looking out future like a outlook for the future where it's like we do want to see more ownership mm. and there yeah there is a money aspect to it that maybe you have to take a hit in that respect but you mm. said yourself when you started off the question which was we don't have a lot of big black conglomerates that or any that mm. end up buying these businesses mm. and long-term view is mm. like we're questioning that right mm. why can't we be those mm. big conglomerates that are fourth generation yeah the family might have Throwing the money away, but a lot of these big companies mm. were family owned initially and now they have hired hands, boards, yeah, of and CEOs, yeah, of so mm. they're still quite successful. Mm. But why is it that we can't be the people that are going around and buying your Nike when it's a startup mm. or your Bevel when it's a startup? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Long term, so we're not really thinking mm-hmm. within the next 10, 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. but long, long, long term, why can't we be that next Unilever? Do you know mm. I, what I
2: mean? I, yeah, I think one of the problems
4: is. And this
2: is more of a kind of like a Western culture. We don't often think uh, long term enough about various things in life, and by various things, I'm even talking about like the sustainability of the earth. We don't think about what the earth will look like for our children's children. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas in other parts of the world, like if you go like to the if you go to, like, to J- Japan, for example. Um, or even, I think, Korea, where they have like these family-owned conglomerates and they do in Mm. Japan as well. They think in terms of 100-year plans as to where they want their businesses to go. And it's a big part. It's it's like such an ingrained part of their culture. So they don't have these kind of discussions as to sell the business. Do we keep it? It's like, no, this is the 100-year plan. This is what we're trying to do Mm -hmm. with the business. If you look at um, Jack Ma with Alibaba, like if you look Mm. at the videos he did when he was like, this company is going to be the biggest company in the world in this area, when he was talking back in the 90s, you know, you look back and think, wow, this guy was prophetic. But it was just because he had such a mad vision, yeah. Yeah, which would have been taken as madness back then. But there's that kind of, do you know what I mean? I think that kind of- um, Forward thinking. Sus- yeah, more a more sustainable kind of thinking. And even about businesses. I think a part of the sustainable business is thinking about, the big what-ifs. What if somebody comes and gives us a big check? Or does this actually change what the, the brand could look like or how it could be perceived by the customers? Um, you know, because it's a case of, all right, if someone comes in, a big corporate comes in and decides to buy a jammy, does it actually change the culture of jammy? Or is mm-hmm. there still a way in which you can still have a majority stakeholding yeah. in whatever sense that means? Actually, it doesn't. It just means we get to help our customers a little bit more. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's about yeah. that. Thinking about the what ifs and actually being realistic with the what ifs as as, as well. Because we don't live in a, we don't live in a perfect world where everything is a a, a yes or no answer. There are a lot of great areas, yeah. including in business. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you could actually be in a situation where, do you know what? We just about maintain enough control of the business
0: yeah.
2: that perhaps is a little bit more uncomfortable, but we still get to help our customers. Yeah. And this is what, you alluded to earlier saying actually it's all about the customer relationship that we have Mm -hmm. and i i think that's something that we all need to consider not just for business but for life as well Mm. asking those kind of difficult questions as in do i go into the entrepreneurship route or do i do the kind of nine to five life you know because it's it's, you see it right businesses that start off small biggest problem they have is cash flow when they start off, unless they've got a big injection from the, the get-go, and mm-hmm. they're starting off their business as cash flows. They don't know where money comes in, money goes out. They don't have a handle on their working capital, which can kill businesses, right? Especially businesses that deal with goods, right? And so that's something that they have to go and deal with. And it falls on the business owner to have to get into loads of loans, credit cards, all of that stuff. And if they can come out of that, thank God. But sometimes some businesses don't in it, which is quite sad. And so I think this is, you know, but on the other hand, you do a nine to five, you can get personally burned. There's there's various things that we will have to think about. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and even the business identity sometimes it can change.
4: Mm.
2: We're living in a changing world. Like look, I look at car companies every day. The, the car, the car, the car that we will drive will look very different in 20 years time.
3: Mm-hmm. Do
2: you know what I mean? We won't be driving it. In we years w- we might not even be driving the car. So the question mm. is, what does it actually mean <laughs> for all of these guys when in yeah. 20 years time you're going to be entering a car that doesn't have a cockpit? Mm. Do you know what I mean? They, There's they, no more
3: driver experience Because you're just sitting in the car Exactly yeah,
2: yeah. So BMW's mm. slogan of the ultimate driving machine May somehow have to change Yeah, yeah Do you know what I mean? So I think we all need to think about These kind
3: of Yeah I don't know Difficult questions mm. which, I feel so, so, you know
0: That's a nice, a nice way to wrap
3: up Before we wrap up I just wanted to ask um, Kalia, like um, So you've been Doing jamming now for Three years, right? Coming up to three years Um, Over that time um, I mean I don't know if this is fair question to ask but are there any black businesses for you that have stood out that you'd really like to plug on the podcast today or is it or do you want to just say jump on jammy and have a look for yourself or
1: yeah because i would I would do plug them all. I can't just choose.
0: Yeah, You're smiling um, like you've got yeah, personal you get couple, favorite though. <laughs> <laughs> a couple phone calls after that. Like,
1: hey. <laughs> no, no, everyone, like every single entrepreneur that I'm partnered with, like I have a personal relationship with them all. Like it's important yeah. to me that I know them I, yeah. and that I know what they're about and stuff. Like they are all amazing. They're doing mm. amazing things. They have great visions mm. for what they're trying to achieve. So mm. I can of just pick, pick uh, them I'll,
2: I'll put it this way then. Four companies that may be your favorites. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not saying name them, but for companies that may be your favourite, so that you take a certain certain more of a more of a liking to.
3: But how's he gonna name them? If no, you know? no. Wait, not. wait, let me land, bro. Learn
2: <laughs> what has made these companies um stand, stand out? out. Mm.
1: Um the sheer drive mm. and commitment to their why. Like they they I mean, I suppose because I started Jamming from a place of passion, I think I'm drawn to the other entrepreneurs who did the same. Mm-hmm. But like, I can see in everything that they do, like it's there's consistency because they believe so wholeheartedly in what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and they have done amazing things as a result of that. Um, and so I think that's kind of the, yeah. That, that's cool. what I'd say. Maybe
0: just one final question before you, you go. Yeah. Um, what is the vision for Jammy? Maybe in the next kind of uh, year, next five years, what's like the next phase of the Jammy journey for you?
1: So the next phase of the Jammy journey is um, expanding out of London. Most of the businesses that we're partnered with are London based because mm-hmm. I'm London based. Um, but like I said earlier, like I want there to be a point where it doesn't matter where you are in the UK that mm. you can find that black-owned business mm. and you can go down and you can see what it's all about. Mm. Um, and so, ultimately, that's that's my focus for like the next twelve months.
3: Cool. And is there an app? Do you have a no, Jammy app? Okay. Cool. I don't have an app. All
1: right. I would love to build one. Okay. Um, but that's like further down the timeline. Cool. Cool.
3: Yeah. But there is a website. Yeah. But There is yeah. a, yes, so, but there we is a like website. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We always do this. We always at the end of the episode, we get our guests to like plug everything that they want to plug. Yeah. So. Um, yes. Yeah, man.
1: So uh, you can buy your Jammy card on the website, which is lovejammy.com um l-o-v-e-j-a-m-i-i dot com follow us on instagram uh twitter and facebook at uk jammy so, um uh so your jammy card is 14.95 for a whole year you can save up to 30 percent um at black owned businesses mm-hmm. amazing black owned businesses for an entire year
3: yeah
1: um so,
3: yeah, and it's a directory as well, isn't it? Because it's yeah, like, it lists you know it all the black It lists all business. of them. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, head to the website, see everyone that we're partnered with. I'm adding new people all the time. Cool, uh, new businesses all the time. Sorry, um, yeah. So get involved, get a card, sign up to the
0: main list as well because they put like some sick content. Okay, like, on a weekly basis. You yeah, get, the newsletter oh, cool. it's about yeah, the newsletter yeah. is banging. You get it's like cool. literally like loads of cool information. Who writes the newsletter? So. My sister. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh my
3: she writes <laughs> the newsletter. Yeah. Cool. I'm gonna sign up. I like. I'm I'm signing up to more newsletters these days. Nice. keeps me informed. Well, roughly, how many businesses do you work with at the moment?
1: Ah, uh, seventy. Nice. Um, oh, but literally nice. adding more all the time, all the time. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So that's
3: Jami. J M J A M double I. Yes.
1: Yeah.
3: Cool. All right. Mm. Alright man. We
0: Great can. command, do your thing. up. Hey, thank you guys for um thank you, um Kalio. Thank you, T for coming through. I thought you were gonna just keep quiet for the ting box. Oh, sure. Yeah, let's shout out T as well because yeah, yeah, like yeah, <laughs> we introduced
3: him at the beginning, so
0: Yeah, yeah, so it's a, it's a large up T as well. And small, small pearls of wisdom, man. Yeah <laughs> so, come through. Um but yeah. Really love the conversation. Thank you for coming through and kind of talking about Jeremy and wish you the best of success with the business. Hopefully the listeners kind of plug in and go on the website and everything. Um, listeners, thank you for listening. Um, we're gonna have a lot more episodes coming forward talking about black businesses um as, as well as other topics that we cover. As always, you can shout us on Twitter at OTB Podcast UK mostly um, from the understand it's an email we love getting emails had some nice ones coming recently as well um, otbpodcastuk at gmail.com and same with the instagram at otbpodcastuk okay, give us a shout yeah have a good day eh? <laughs> <laughs>